I am thrilled to introduce to you the executive producer of that video and the uh, director of the home, his wife Becky. Everyone, this is uh, Becky and Adam. Adam and Becky, this is everybody. Yes, sir. It's so awesome to be here. It's, it's great to have you guys here. Great to have you here. Um, I was looking back. We uh, in December that'll have been seven years of weekly services for us as a church, and I was just trying to do the math in my head, counting you guys. I think we've had eleven. Uh, folks from the home up here in those seven years wow. because Raimundo is now part of the family here. That's right. But Battelle's been up here, Joel, Lavi, Batia, Wendy, mm. Whitney, Karen, and Armando. So wow. I don't know if I'm missing anybody, but in the last seven years, that's not too bad. We want to do the best we can for you guys to get to know them, for them to get to know you, and we're thrilled that you guys could make it up on this beautiful fall day. It's beautiful, it is. <laughs> do you want to just share a little bit about this is your first time in... So these guys here with the snow here? It's about as cold here as it is in my refrigerator back at home. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun when I picked him, picked him up this morning because he's from Dallas originally. Um, he's like, this is like walking in a Hallmark card, he says. <laughs> it was great watching him kick the snow. Like, yeah. All oh, the and then they were trying to be so polite, they came into the car and they're like, okay, what do you do with this? Like the snow on their feet. They're like, is this polite to come into the cars? <laughs> like, I love it, love it, love it. Well, anyway, they don't, have, they don't know you guys well yet, so can you okay. just take a couple, take some time here and just sure. share a little about yourself and, and, and your story sure. and, and all that. Well, I'm originally from Dallas, and uh, you know, it gets cold there, but it doesn't snow like this, so this is really new to me. I can't believe that you guys drive around in this. The whole city would be closed <laughs> down. <laughs> so I was born and raised there in Dallas. Um, when I was 15, I got into computers. It was when the computer on, internet was booming, and, and I, I never went to school for it, but I... Uh, when I was 15, I had my first job, and I stayed there for 11 years, actually, making internet software, and it was doing great. I was living the American dream, I thought, was well on my way to, to fulfilling that American dream. Thought I had everything I needed, and yet there was something missing, um, and uh, I thought I would go on a mission trip, a short-term mission trip for one week. It was supposed to be just one week. Uh, I can relate. <laughs> so... Uh, I, I go with my church uh, back in Dallas, and I, I had the, the desire to get to know my, my church family a little bit more. There's nothing like going on a mission trip to get to know people uh, more profoundly. And so I went with them, and uh, the place wrecked my life. The life I had, it totally destroyed it, ruined it. I could not go back to life as it was. Uh, just uh, when I was there, I, I would hear stories of the kids what they had been through, and, and I would see them running around the, the home happy, just like that. That's, that's a normal day in Emmanuel. The kids are very happy. Sure, they have their issues, and, and we have psychologists and lots of staff to help children that are dealing with those emotions, but, but just like in the video, it starts with a kid that's very unhappy out in the street, and uh, they, they come into the home, and, and they find happiness. They find a little piece of heaven, and, and being there is like heaven, and I experienced that the week I was there. And suddenly realized back in Dallas, I was really missing out. And I uh, went back, uh, and in, in a process of two months, I had quit my job, said goodbye to my family and friends, and packed up and, and got there. Yeah. From the first trip? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Taking me 20, how many years? I mean, I'm still here. Wow. Wow. Do you want to share a little bit of your background, too? Um, yeah, well, it was kind of similar. It didn't wreck my life, too, but. Um, in a different way. Um, I was actually uh, born and raised in El Paso and Juarez. El Paso is right next to, it's a United States city next to Juarez. 
um, as a border town. And so my family is originally from Juarez. My parents were born in Juarez. My grandma is in was, was in Juarez. And, but I was born in El Paso. My parents lived in El Paso. And we constantly crossed over back and forth. But my family wasn't very, um, how do you say, very uh, giving to their time and volunteer. And um, I wasn't raised, you know, feeding the hungry or any, any type of that, of that type of projects or anything like that. I would go to like little mission trips and stuff like that. But, but um, my, as a family, we, we just never, never did that kind of stuff. But, um, but in 2007, I had a free summer in, um, because of, of school and the university. And so I was like, I wanna do something. And so I decided to be part of YouthWorks, which I think it's based off of Minneapolis, actually. And so I decided to be a program director in, in like kind of what they do is they facilitate mission trips to different parts of, of the United States and they have one in Puerto Rico and, and they used to have one in, in Juarez. And so um, in that experience, um, we had a group come in and of course, in Juarez, you have very unexpected things happen, like your refrigerator is not working, and you have 50 people to feed. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so the, the lettuce started going really bad, and so it was like brown, and so we had to throw it away. And um, a neighbor came up to me, and she was like, why are you guys throwing away your food? You know, and I was like, well, it's going bad, and I don't wanna you know, have our guests be sick. <laughs> and so um, she's like, well, I saw a kid eating out of your trash can. And so that, to me, like just ruined my mind. <laughs> it messed me up. And um, I just never been the same <laughs> after that experience, after that story. And so I decided to um, still continue with, you, with youth works every summer, but I also wanted to be a little bit more profound in, in and what, what that looked like. And so I joined their internship program, which was called Greater Works. And it's, we were, that's, a, that's how I got to Minneapolis oh, before. Because um, I- up here in the winter time. Yeah. The snow I, was I, even deeper. <laughs> I was here in an in August <laughs> and uh, January. So I remember January was like kind of windy. I couldn't breathe outside. I was like, <laughs> it's so cold. And I would run, like it was like the car and the door. It was like, a run, <laughs> run for it. <laughs> I'm gonna die. <laughs> but um, so, so it, it started there and I started uh, volunteering at soup kitchens where there was children from the streets. And what I'd say about children from the streets, it's like they did have some kind of guardian but they just were always neglected. I would always see them not being taken care of. Like, you shouldn't be playing with fire, you know? <laughs> Who's watching over you, you know, that kind of thing. Very, um, some of them were abused and um, they had a really bad behavior kind of um, aspect to them. Um, they, didn't, they didn't know limits. They didn't know that they weren't supposed to be playing with the microphones and stuff like that. But. Um, so I served at the soup kitchen for kids, and then I also served at another soup kitchen that was for families. And so, um, you know, they called the old people quinceañeros, which 
I don't know if you guys are familiar with the term quinceañera, mm -hmm. but it's like the 15-year-old party, mega party that they do for, for their kids. But they called it like that because they were the old people, but it was like a young name to call them after. And then um, I served as an English teacher at a school and um, also volunteered at a drug rehab. So I have different, different aspects and also a women's shelter of abused women. So I have all these um, background <laughs> aspects. That's and, amazing. <laughs> and then, so, but I started seeing a lot of oppression, mainly from the part of the government. And so it just made me really angry. <laughs> and I was also, I also changed my major to know and learn more about these oppression situations. And so I decided to be part of a protesting group. And I was a protester. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and then, um, one of a part of our peace acts was to help an organization that was functioning in, in Juarez, and one of them was the children's home. And they were raising money for new washers, new washing machines. And so we were raising money for that, and that's the first time I heard about Emmanuel Children's Home. And then there was this like deep calling in my heart. It was around May of 2012, and then so I, I was like, what is this? Because I want to serve in all the other ones that I have served in. I feel like I'm inconsistent and I want to be, you know, um, proactive about being consistent with my relationships with people, the people in the drug rehab, the people at the soup kitchen, and I just was kind of divided. But God was like, go. You need to go. I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Either I go or I get swallowed by a whale <laughs> in the middle of the desert. <laughs> and so I said, yes, okay. So I emailed Adam. I had never, no, like, I never bumped into him in the university because we went to the same school. And I emailed him. I actually, I don't know why, I thought he was like this 40-year-old man. <laughs> and so I emailed him and you know, I'm interested in staying the summer and just helping out just the summer, okay? Just the summer, because I have a job and I have to go to school, you know? And I have rent, you know, I had, I had an apartment with a roommate, so I couldn't leave the roommate, you know? <laughs> but, so I volunteered at the children's home for a month and that's when, that ruined me too. <laughs> and um, God just said, you need to stay. I was like, you're crazy. I, I told you first. Though. Oh, yeah, you told me first. He was like, you're going to stay. I'm like, you're crazy. No. <laughs> you know, God wouldn't want that. <laughs> and so, yep, he did. And, um, and so um, I stayed. And that's when, when we were friends. We became best friends. She'd make me dinner every night. <laughs> the, way to, the quickest way to a man's heart stays to their stomach, and it's true. Get dating advice on top of everything else here, so this is, this is great. Well, can I, um, can I want to ask you a little bit about church or mission trips? Because both you guys, mm -hmm. you've been on them, and um, we, you know, we, we talked about these things ahead of time. But mm -hmm. um, one, of the, one of the things that, that I've seen changing over the last 20 years or so is about uh, 
in the, well, in the 80s and in the 90s, a mission trip, short-term mission trips. Everybody was sending people. All the churches, not all, but, but most churches were sending people. And then uh, about 15 years ago, I started to see a lot of articles popping up. And there's really now a negative uh, vibe if you read the articles, if you read the blogs about short-term missions. Mm -hmm. they, they talk about how, hey, it, it, why don't you just send the money? It would be a lot more effective. And they call it like Christian tourism and that kind of stuff. So you guys are uniquely positioned because you've mm -hmm. gone and now you're receiving groups. Can you just speak to short-term missions um, yeah. and, and your thoughts on the matter for people who would be thinking about maybe visiting the home? Yeah, well, I, I would love to speak to those people that are, that are writing those blogs and saying those things because I bet those people that are attacking that idea of short-term mission trips are not the ones receiving short-term missionaries. <laughs> Here at Emmanuel, we've been in, in, in existence for 52 years now, and short-term mission trips has been the life uh, of that hill that our kids look forward to every single time you guys come down. You know, you probably have heard on the news and whatever that Juarez has gone through some really violent years and you guys were the only visitors that would ever dare to come and visit us. And that was so life-giving to us. It gave us hope because we, we couldn't go anywhere. The kids couldn't go anywhere. The staff couldn't go anywhere. And so we were there lonely uh, without any visitors. Uh, uh, sponsorships plummeted. Um, uh, regular donations from churches plummeted. We lost half our 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 funding from churches alone, alone, just the body of Christ. We lost half their support. And it, and it was due to people losing interest because they were not coming for that week. And my goodness, I, I went for one week and it changed my life. And, and it could very well do that to some of you guys. It, um, there's a couple here that's visited with you guys for, for many years and, and they're coming to be a part of our team down there. And so, so how ridiculous to say that. Yeah, I'm preaching to the choir here. Um, I, I was, uh, about a month ago, I was looking at a newspaper. And for those of you who are under 30, um, this is kind of like an app. It's like a news app. It's printed on paper. Uh, it was, for us, it was a huge step up from stone tablets. It's really something. Um, but I was reading this, and I came across this article. Um, they were talking about the ranking of states in terms of quality of life. And uh, according to the, the, well, let me just read here. Uh, a new report by the Organization for Economic Operation Development, it ranked 50 states plus the District of Columbia according to nine different measures of well-being. Health, safety, housing, access to broadband, civic engagement, education, jobs, environment, and income. Do you know where Minnesota ranked out of the 50 states plus District of Columbia? Number two. Number two. So I'm reading that. I'm thinking about these guys coming in about a month. I'm thinking about short-term missions. And it, it just continued to hit me. It's such an important perspective thing. And now if you were to take Minnesota, I did this. I did a quick look online, and I looked at 867 cities uh, and towns in Minnesota, and almost every suburb right around here was in the top 100. So we've got the number two state to live in, according to those criteria. And we have, among our state, we're in the top 100, our suburbs, the places to live in terms of per capita income. So when we start thinking, oh, we're middle class, or we're lower middle class, that's in an absolute elite category. Everyone can win if you can 
figure out a way to get there. Everyone can win. You can win. You can come back with a whole new perspective of how blessed you are. And then kids in Juarez can win because they can, you can get a chance to, to bring your gifts and talents there and encourage the staff and everything. So this is one of the reasons why it's not just us saying, hey, it's a good thing. It's people who are there receiving saying it's a good thing too. Um, all right, well, let's talk a little bit about the city of Juarez. Okay. For, I mean, a lot of folks here hear about Juarez, but if you guys could just share a little bit about the city that, uh, that you didn't abandon. You said we couldn't mm -hmm. leave. I mean, that speaks to your character because a whole lot of people would have left. Mm -hmm. um, they would have left those kids and got out of there, so that speaks to who you are. But tell a little bit about the city. Um, you know, share about, about yeah. uh, the place where you're ministering. It's definitely a very unique place on the border there. Um, it has kind of an identity crisis beyond the border. so close to an affluent city right across the, the, the river, if you want to call it a river. Um, it's, a, it's a really weird mix of extreme poverty that you'd find in Africa or something on the outskirts of the city. There's people living out of trash houses. There's people that, that choose to live right next to dumps because that's their building materials. And you know, when their house is falling apart, they just go next door to the dump and they patch it up. You know, and there's no running water. There's no electricity. Uh, they're, you know, to get uh, drinkable water, they're, they're hiking up hills somewhere where you know, the, all that community drinks from. Um, the, the kids are running around you know, in the cold. It does get very cold in the it desert does. at night. And you know, I don't know how they, they do it with six, seven kids. Um, and then you have uh, the, the rich in Juarez that live on, you know, in different other parts of the, of the city where they live in mansions. And they're just kind of like, you know, out of, out of sight, out of mind. So it's a very interesting mix of, of people there in Juarez. Uh, people, are, it's all about family in Mexico in general. And so, <coughs> excuse me. And so, uh, and so yeah, I, I, that's one of my things that I've loved being in a different culture because it is really different. The family aspect there is so vital. And I, and I think it's so kingdom, like God is all about family. That's his structure. That's how he, you know, that's the foundation of everything he built, you know, his kingdom on it, his family. And so you really see that in Mexico and, and they adopted me when I, when I went there. So it's, it's a, that's a really positive thing about the city. Like everyone's your friend, every, you know, they, uh, to go down the street, you'll see kids playing the street and neighbors talking, and you know, so so it's a, it's a really fun place to to be. It's been it's gone through a, a type of a war because of the drug violence and everything. But I'm here to tell you too that the that is over. Um, there are now three cities in the U.S. that are ranked much uh, more violent than what is. So if some of you want to come to safety and to what is. <laughs> <laughs> I can recommend, where'd we go? The Taco Torte. Uh -huh. we can Good Mexican food. You guys taco know what Mexican torte. food is. <laughs> Did you want to add something? I said the um, microphone doing this a little bit. <laughs> um, well, Juarez is like a very populated place. Mm. Um, it, it consists of rich people and extreme poverty. About 60% of the people of the population is either in poverty or extreme poverty. So the, the people living in middle class and higher class are the 40%. But for the most part, and that's a 2010 statistics, I don't know how it is now, but it, it it's, hasn't really changed. But, um, but there is also an kind of like a, starting to be like a, well, no, it's, 
like people have immigrated from other parts of the country. Um, and that's been going on for years, since the 50 years, I think, um, that we've existed. But um, some of them are from, um, we have one dad that's from Honduras, and he has a baby and a four-year-old. And um, the mom, sadly, was into drug addiction and died about two months ago. And so um, there's people from other countries sometimes. There's people from other states of Mexico fleeing from violent situations, violent um, stories. Um, some of them have backgrounds you know, in drug trafficking and they finally got to the bottom of, of all the consequences about that. And um, so they come not only without resources, but they come without like a social type of help. And what, what I mean about that is like, they don't have their mom, their aunts, they don't have a family where they can say, you know, I am sick, I need to go to the hospital. So my aunt, you know, Juanita, can take care of my kids. No, there's just no, nobody they can trust, nobody that they can, you know, fall back on. You know, we, we kind of have, you know, our friendships and we have our families that we can go to, but there's a lot of people there that don't have that kind of social connection with, with or relationships with people that, you know, without resources and without that aspect, it's like life is really, really difficult. Yeah. And then in the midst of that, you guys have this, this home, and it really is a home for a lot of these kids who are facing a lot of those things. Um, it was so exciting a couple weeks ago to hear your vision. Do you want to yeah. just share some of, some of your hopes and dreams sure. for what this home can be? Yeah, it can be a lot more. It's already a lot. It already means a lot to the city. I mean, we're very well known in the city for being there for 52 years now. Um, uh, originally, Emmanuel uh, started as, as just this, this Christian woman out of this shack in a very impoverished area that's still impoverished today, uh, giving uh, kids uh, food that were running around the streets while their parents were, were trying to make, it, make a living in the U.S. It was a lot easier to cross in those days. And so now um, we're still there, and, and it's, uh, it's, we're going to keep doing what we have been doing for 52 years, giving the basic care, shelter, food, medical, health care, education. We're still going to be doing that. But um, one thing that I, I believe that God is, uh, is sharing with me, in, um, sharing his heart with mine, is that for the next 50 years, uh, we're going to keep doing the basics, healing children, basically. But he doesn't just want to heal children. You know, I love that song. There, there's just no boundaries with God. There's no limits with God. And he loves to take the broken, the weak, the humble, and do amazing things, you know. And Wattis, talking about Wattis in general, like it's, it has such a infamous um, reputation. And he, he would just, it would just be the heart of God to take a city like that and start doing amazing, miraculous That's right. things That's right. Um, That's right. that, that aren't happening in, in this side of the world. And so I really think that God is going to be using Emmanuel to do that. I'm, I'm not biased, I'm biased, but we have the most amazing children there. Um, they're like little sponges, you know, they, they have nothing better to do but learn about Jesus. They love, about, they learn, love learning about Jesus. And uh, they're, they're, 
they're being filled with the Spirit. They all each have very unique giftings um, in all different kinds of arts and disciplines and academics. And, and so basically my vision is not just to heal them, but to rise up to implement programs through support like you guys. It take, it's going to take a huge family, a family of God, to, to do this. But not just to heal them, but to, to have programs where our children, once they are healed, and even as they're being healed, even through these programs, they're going to be healed, but to rise up leaders among these children that are going to be launched from this heal uh, and go on into politics and go on into the education system and go on into the business realm and go on just to be healthy parents, you know, uh, have, to have stable families. And so that's really the next 50 years, I think, is going to be marked by not just healing children, but rising up leaders that are, that are going to take over that city for the kingdom of God. Amen. Well, that ties in perfectly with what we're talking about. Our series that we've been in uh, is called Light Where You Are. And when it, it comes from this passage, the teaching of Jesus uh, in Matthew chapter 5. Um, he says this, verse 16, You're the light of the world. A city built on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp, put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. So in the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds glorify your Father in heaven. I mean, you've just described this little city on a hill, this home on a hill, and you've seen God's light come into these little lives, and you've, you know, you've got this vision for those kids going out and being lights. So yes. brings us then to the question, how can we help? We only got a couple minutes here, but what would okay. be some of the ways um, that we up here, northern suburbs, you know, Minnesota, yeah. how, can, how can we help you guys? I mean, I think really uh, you guys are already helping so much. I mean, more than asking you guys to help more, I just want to be here in person and thank you guys because, like I said, you guys have been the number one supporter of Emmanuel in the, in the past several years when no one else wanted to visit or their funds were cut in half or completely. You guys stuck with us. And that's what a family does, you know. We, we have 83 children right now, and they all need individual care, they all need individual attention, they all need lots of help, they all have dreams of their education and their lives, and it's, and we're so thankful for you guys because you've stuck with us and you've been that family that hasn't abandoned the family and the, you know, these children in their, in their deepest need. So how can you help? Um, we would love for you just to keep doing what you're doing, honestly. No one, no other place has as many sponsor, child sponsorships as you guys. No other place has visited year after year, like you guys have, multiple times a year, three times, four times a year, you guys come and visit from, from this family. So we just want to say thank you. Yeah, and a side note with uh, sponsorships and all that, I've heard a lot of, of sponsors say this, is that they wish they could do more. But, because um, I feel like there's this expectation that um, to be a missionary is to be at the place, you know? But you can also be a missionary that provides the resources. Because I, I think about this every time that a kid has a fever and I have to go and, you know, take their temperature. Somebody had to give us the funds to buy the thermometer. <laughs> Somebody had to give me the funds to be able to give this kid Tylenol. You know, somebody had to give me the funds to take him to bed, wrap him in his blanket. I didn't buy all that. 
And so there is just that aspect, I think, people feel so bad because they feel like, I'm not doing enough. I need to be there, you know, which, I mean, if God calls you to be there, welcome, please come. Yep. But, but I guess that aspect, I think, is kind of forgotten, you know, or kind of put aside as like, ah, oh, you're just giving money, you know, but no. Really, like, we can't do what we do without resources, without, right. you know, having the tools to be able to do it. So that's just something that, that I wanted to clarify, especially with the sponsors. And, um, and then especially when you go, your money all of a sudden becomes, like, a, a value. You put a face to it. You put an experience to it. And you go over there and you learn about some of the stories, and so you, you kind of have like a, a perspective as to where your resources are going, and you may never really, you know, we may not be so informative like all the time, you know, like your kid just had a fever, you know, and we gave him this, and thanks to your support, you know, we, we healed him or whatever, but and that's just because we're just very short-staffed, and I actually have three roles in the home, so. <laughs> um, but, um, but that's exactly what the sponsorship money goes to, is to the kids. It's to, you know, if their shoe runs out of the, <laughs> the sole of their feet, you know, we get them new shoes. Or, or um, it's the food that they eat. It's the water that runs through the whole place. It's the doctor visits. It's um, their medicine. It's their pencil that they use at school. Um, so... Fantastic. So we'll keep doing what we're doing. Here's what we're doing. Here's four ways you can help. Inside your bulletin, there's an insert. Um, they have a newsletter that comes out about a month, once a Every month, month or so. Every yes, month sir. there's a newsletter that comes out. They're doing a lot more now with video, so you can see links. You can see the kids in action. You can see the staff in action. That's one. We also try to collect the prayer requests uh, once a month, too. And you've heard us, if you've been around here, you've heard us praying in, in for these needs by kids, by name. Um, you can get on that list, and we can send that to you. Um, sponsoring a child, we talked about that. Uh, you know, if you, when you hear about all of the child trafficking going on in the world, when you hear about all of these things, it seems so huge. What can you do? You can protect one kid. That's what you can do. You can protect a kid. And one of the best ways to help with that is through supporting people who are protecting kids. And then, like we talked about before, scheduling a visit. Uh, it was great. Brian was caught me before the service. Well, actually, he was talking to these guys, and in the conversation, he brought up, oh, yeah, I'm leading the team down there. It's like, mm -hmm. awesome. Um, you, don't, you don't have to wait for one of our you know, ECC-sanctioned teams or whatever. You know, you can schedule these visits. They would they'd love to help you work that out, whether it's you or with a group. All right, well, as we bring things to a close today, um, I'd ask if you could share a passage sure. or a word from God that God put on your heart. Sure. Uh, John 17, 16 is, is the word that, that I felt last night as I was just praying about it. And it, it's Becky's already touched on it. Like, there's, there's a common phrase that you probably hear in the Christian realm, where we're in the world, but we're not of it. And, uh, and I think if you go back to the original scripture where that comes from, you realize that Jesus had it the other way around. He first says in, in John 17, 16, that they are not of the world. He starts Ooh. with, they're not of the world. And then he con continues on in the following verses and says that I've sent them into the world. So it's, 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 we have it backwards. 
we, we say we're, we're in the world, darn it, but we better not be of the world, you better not be sinning and stuff like that. We have it all, our focus is all wrong. We're all missionaries. I remember I took my first mission trip, and on the plane ride back, I said, I'm not going back home. I'm going to another mission field. And I think, um, and I was just reminded, was reminded of that last night, and I just wanted to share that with you. It would be awesome if the kingdom of God had, uh, here on this earth had that mindset that we're all missionaries, whether you're giving funds, whether you're visiting, whether you're sponsoring a child, if you're sending a Christmas gift, we're all missionaries. We don't, no one in this room, if you're a Christ follower, has the right to sit back and say, they're missionaries and I'm comfortable living the American dream. I'm sorry, you don't have that right. And, and I know that you, I'm speaking to the choir, but it's, it's a mindset that we need to change. And, and Jesus has sent you into the world as missionaries here in Minneapolis, in the Twin Cities, in Wattis, in your neighborhood, in your workplace. You're, you're leaving your home and you're a missionary. That's a great word. You have to come back next week and unpack that even more. Well, you got things to do. You got things to do. Yeah. Hey, so before you go off into the mission field, a couple quick things, and then we'll pray for these guys. Um, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, if you're new to our church, I would love to meet you. Please come up and say hi afterwards. I'd love to meet you. Um, if you did fill out a connection card or brought an offering today, remember to put those in the mailbox on your way out. And if you'd like to pray with someone after our service, make sure before you go that you take an opportunity to do that. We'll have people every week right there on the side of the room that would love to pray for you about anything, perhaps some of the stuff that we even talked about today. So we'd love, love to do that. But uh, let's, let's pray together as a church family here, and then we will head out into the mission field. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for helping us to understand that you are a good and caring Father. And all who look to you as Father, we're brothers and sisters. And you have a family that you wish to adopt more into, and you've chosen to involve us in that. So God, we pray that your character would be formed in us. We pray that your light would shine through us in such a way where others could see your good deeds at work in this world, and they would look to you as Father. Lord, we're, we want to humble ourselves and make ourselves available to that vision. Lord, we specifically pray for our brothers and sisters who are serving you so faithfully right there in the heart of a, of a real troubled city. We pray, Lord, that you'll continue to sustain them with everything that they need. And we pray, Lord, that you'll do more than just protect them. We pray that your kingdom will advance through your work through them. Lord, we pray as a congregation that you'll continue to make more specific the, um, the role you would have us to play. We're here to serve you um, right here in this area, in, uh, in the Twin Cities, all around the world. God, just show us what to do. And, and, and again, give us the courage to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Make sure you say hi to these guys before you head out too.